This ain't no Jersey Shore. Welcome back to the swamp, my friends. It's good to see you made it back for another episode. Today, I'm going to be sharing some creepy and allegedly true New Jersey horror stories sent in by viewers just like you. As always, if you have a story that you would like to share from your state, please be sure to submit it at swampdweller.net or the email you can find in the description down below. I'd love to share your story with everyone here in the swamp. Now, without further hesitation, let's get into these creepy and allegedly true horror stories from New Jersey that'll keep you up tonight. I have a scary story coming straight from New Jersey, since nothing really happens here. This story happened in early 2020, just before the pandemic. For just a bit of context, every Friday, me and my friends hang out at one of our houses. This week it was my turn to host. This time, it was me and four others. I will call them A, J, and S. Anyway, we were walking home from school together and we just turned onto my street. Halfway down the street in front of my house, we see an older man standing in front of my dad's truck. He was wearing all gray, except for a red lanyard and neon green hat. At first, I thought it was my dad since the man looked almost like my dad. S asked me if that was my dad. I said maybe, but my dad does not usually come home from work this early. My dad is a teacher in Jersey City and comes home around 5 or 6 p.m. when I would usually be getting home from school around 3. As we got closer to my house, the man ran away, hiding behind my next door neighbor's car. That was when I knew it was not my dad, and the panic started to set in with the rest of my friends. When we got close to my house, we cut across my other neighbor's yard and made a beeline for the side door. We all piled into the house, locked both doors and all the windows, and shut all of the blinds. For a while, we just waited in the house, unsure of what to do honestly. We all agreed to go up to A's house when the coast was clear. I was extremely paranoid, as I have always had a fear of home invasions. We were not sure if this guy was going around trying to take a survey, or was trying to hurt us. He looked like he could have been working for someone, but if he were, he would not have hidden behind that car. As we were all talking, we heard someone knock on the front door before aggressively trying to jiggle the doorknob open. At this point, we knew this man was dangerous. I called my mom and she gave me the non-emergency number for the cops. I had to hand my phone over to my friend Jay. They are much calmer in emergencies than I am. In about two or three minutes, a cop came to the house and asked us what happened. We told them everything that went down and what the man looked like. The cop also questioned our neighbor, the one who owned the car the man hid behind. According to what I was told, the man did the same thing to him. He would have answered the door, but he was in a work meeting in the other room. The officer told us that he had several other cops scanning the neighborhood. He also offered to walk us up to A's house. We took his offer and headed up to A's house. After that whole thing went down, we enjoyed some pizza and watched some movies. As for the man, he was never caught or identified to my knowledge. 
This story is just one of many reasons why I'm grateful for my friends. I was originally just going to go home alone, and I'm so glad I invited them along with me. I get anxious any time I think about what could have happened if I was home alone that day, or what that man could have tried to do to me. Essex Road is an isolated, unlit road partially bordered on both sides by marshland and cut into the wooded outskirts of Tintin Falls in Neptune, New Jersey. It is only about a one and a half mile long road, partially running parallel to the Garden State Parkway. Essex Road at one time had an added attraction to enhance its mystique. Body outlines on the pavement, which were drawn and laid out in tape, on the blacktop to mark the places of fallen victims. Cars have been forced off the road by unseen forces and slammed into barriers and trees. Misty forms appearing in the middle of Essex Road, startling drivers into stopping or veering off the road entirely. There were pentagrams and other symbols painted on the street, though the presence of ritual magic users were never noticed. In the late 1800s, Albino family supposedly lived namelessly in the woods behind Essex Road. Sadly, many people would come from all over just to look and make fun of them. From what I understand, the Albino families must have gotten fed up and began murdering curious onlookers and putting the bodies in a nearby slaughterhouse. Ever since I was a child, my mother has always told me the stories of Essex Road. One night, sometime in 2013, when I was a teenager, I was with a couple of my siblings and a few cousins, and because of all the creepy stories we have heard about Essex Road, we all decided that we wanted to go there. It was only a few miles drive away, so it was not much of a hassle, so we asked my mother to take us, and she agreed. We all packed into the family van and made our way to the road. It was midsummer, and the time was around 11 p.m., when we arrived, there was no traffic whatsoever. It was absolutely pitch dark, and we were surrounded by dense woods with the sound of crickets coming from it. The feeling was quite unsteady and creepy, to say the least. We drove up and down the road for about 15 minutes, while stopping every now and then to turn the headlights off and on, and open the windows to see if we could induce any paranormal entities or activity. After a couple of more stops, my mother told everyone to get quiet. We turned off the headlights once more and rolled down the windows. We then waited. While doing so, I pulled out my camera to record a video. About one minute goes by when we hear a very, very loud voice emerge from the woods, saying, Get out! Everyone was absolutely freaked out. The very second after we heard the voice, my mother quickly drove off. But as we drove off, my eyes were fixed to a point in the woods that I had continued to stare at for quite a few seconds more. If I can remember correctly what I saw, it looked to be a tall figure that stood about 30 feet from the main road, and two very distinct, blue glowing orbs about the size of a grapefruit seemed to streak in front of the figure. Although the woods were pitch dark, I assume my eyes must have adapted to it thus making some of these things more visible than others, I guess. The figure seemed very out of place from everything else, but, for all I know, this could have just been a tree, 
the blue glowing orbs, however, are something I genuinely cannot explain. As for the video recording of this experience, I have been in possession of the SD card for years afterward, but have lost it and have no idea where it is. It has been a few years since I have reviewed the video, but you can clearly hear a voice coming from the woods, but no tall figure is visible though, probably due to the low resolution of the video. Anyway, since then I have not really traveled to Essex Road, except for when I shop at the premium outlet mall that is close to it. I have never tried to recreate that experience that I and about seven others had. As for the lost SD card with the video, I'm going to try to search for it everywhere over the next couple of weeks in hopes of proving this story to people that do not believe me. If I find it, I will send it into the show as a follow-up to this. So the following story is not something that happened to me. It is something that happened to my mother and godmother, my mom's best friend, when they were 13. It is also something that has haunted them ever since, causing bad luck, mental health problems, physical health issues. My mother suffered from kidney disease for years and died when she was only 43 years old, and haunting activity as well. To start, my godmother's parents owned a small house in the villas New Jersey, just a few minutes outside of Wildwood, New Jersey. It was a single home, one bedroom, and a porch that was converted into a second room. Nice yard, driveway, and an old shack slash garage. My godmother, we will call her Jen, and her parents rented the house to my mother's parents for a week in the summer of 1984, so my grandparents and my mother went out there for that week, with Jen tagging along with them. From what I am told, my mother and Jen were in the garage, listening to music, when it first happened. Mom had the radio blasting, and there was an old cassette player with headphones sitting across from them. Jen heard something playing over the stereo blasting, and realized the cassette player had turned itself on. She and my mother were both huge fans of the 80s band, Duran Duran. Well, a few members of the band had split off and started a side project called Power Station. The cassette player was playing a song by Power Station called Communication. The lyrics, eerily enough, are something to the effect of communication, do not hang up communication, keep in touch communication, do not put me on hold situation, soul to soul. It sounds by those lyrics as though something was trying to talk to them when you consider the fact that the cassette player turned itself on and no one was anywhere near it. Well, Mom and Jen decided, since they did not have a Ouija board, they would try something else. They would ask certain questions, fast forward through a song and stop. Whatever the first few words were, they would use it to spell out an answer to their questions. That actually worked for a little bit, spelling out cryptic messages, subliminal type stuff that were very eerie and unsettling. Eventually, they had come home to Philadelphia early as my grandmother became sick and had to go to the hospital. When they got back to Philly, Jen decided to stay with my mom at her house for an extra night or two, since their vacation had been ruined. That night, they heard scratching all around my mother's room, on every wall in the room. It sounded like a hundred rats inside the walls, moving all at once. My grandmother came into the room, 
ready to tear them both a new one, only to find them clinging to each other on the mattress, clearly not causing the noise. This was just the beginning. Later, they started using an actual Ouija board. They got messages that seemed like direct links to things happening in their lives. My mother once asked how she was going to die. This was right around the time that she first became sick with kidney failure. The board's response was, Whispering words shall breathe, truest demon shall bleed, enjoy it while last. Whatever that means, neither of them could ever determine, but it did not sound good at all. Then came the scratch marks. Mom and Jen were both waking up, every morning with fresh scratch marks in certain areas that I will not name. But there are areas where you should not be finding marks like that. Mom would get them on her left side while Jen would get them on her right side. One day, Jen went back out to the house in the villas with her mother. They opened the door to the garage to find the entire place was trashed. Shells were ripped from the walls. The spring attached to the garage door was hanging in the middle of the room in a spiral shape, and everything was completely ruined. As though she were possessed, Jen's mother blamed her and proceeded to give her quite a beating. These are just a few things that happened over the years. This thing eventually came to call itself Ranjas, though you cannot find anything on a demon by that name. Mom and Jen have had nightmares of a huntress, that supposed physical form of Ranjas, but it also appears as a black wolf with red eyes from time to time as well. They have also experienced repeated nightmares of ships sinking, or the streets of Wildwood, New Jersey flooding, apocalyptic-type dreams. But that demon was always in those dreams. The closest my godmother and I have come to finding anything on this thing is something called Rangda. She is described as the demon queen of the Laax in Bali, part of the traditional Balinese mythology. Terrifying to behold, the child-eating Rangda leads an army of evil witches against the leader of the forces of good, Barong. The battle between Barong and Rangda is featured in Barong Dance, which represents the eternal battle between good and evil. That is all we have been able to find but it seems quite probable that this is a valid connection to our mystery demon. Rangda does not like men. Any relationship that my godmother ever had in that house in the villas fell apart, but not before turning violent and bitter. It also says the child eating Rangda. I have my own theory on that. My mother and godmother were children when all of this began. It has caused nothing but misery and pain for them ever since and I believe even played a part in my mother's illness that led to her early death, since she was sick for so many years. It is almost as though the child-eating Rangda attached herself to them as children and plagued them every day since. Unfortunately, though, all I must go based on are my mother and godmother's experiences. I cannot find anything on this Ranjas, and though there is a mythology about Rangda, there is nothing in the way of haunting experiences by anyone with this beast, or demon, or whatever. So if anyone has anything similar or has experienced anything like this, please let me know. I am looking to see if my mother and godmother were alone in this, or if there is more to it.
My two friends and I spent a week in New Jersey several years ago. We will call them Alice and Jane for the story's purpose. I do not remember exactly what part of Jersey we were in, but the house we were staying in was a guest house in the backyard of the main house, which was owned by Alice's grandparents, and behind the guest house was a fence. The fence was a wooden fence about seven feet high and had spaces in between each slat about one inch apart. Behind the fence was just a wooded area, but there was a grassy space right up against the fence. It was around 11 p.m. at night, and we were all outside behind the guest house. Between the guest house and the fence, we were all smoking cigarettes, just talking when we started to hear the crunching of something walking on the other side of the fence. At first, we just assumed it was an animal, which is nothing too unusual. So Alice says, it sounds like it's walking on two legs. We all stop to listen, and all agree that it does. Nobody should be back there, especially this late at night. No human, at least. We listen for a couple of more seconds, when I begin to make out a figure between the spaces in the fence I am looking down toward the ground, when my eyes adjust, and I notice what looks like a deer standing on its hind legs. And, as if I were in a movie, my eyes began to scan upwards at whatever I was looking at, and right when I reach the eyes, I see the thing glaring back at the porch light reflecting off of its eyes, and it's at least two feet taller than all of us. It's peeking through. Before I could even open my mouth, Jane let out a, Oh my god, what is that? And we all ran as fast as we could. We went back to the guest house and locked ourselves inside. Jane and I concurred what we saw that night was probably something like a not deer or maybe even some sort of Jersey devil. I do not know what we saw, none of us really did. It was slightly taller than the fence, which was seven feet tall. We honestly were so scared for the rest of the night trying to rationalize it. We laugh about it now, but I still often wonder what it was. Back in my freshman year of high school in New Jersey, when I was 15 years old, I had a very disturbing event happen to me and thought I would share it with you on your show. Now before getting into the details, I would like to mention that my girlfriend at the time practiced Wicca and always read from old books. I really was not quite sure what it was about, but I imagined it was some sort of witchcraft. I was kind of ignorant as to how powerful that stuff was and always just brushed it off. Anyway, I would always walk my girlfriend home after school like the gentleman that I am, carrying her backpack. This is a vital fact that will come into play later in the story. My girlfriend at the time was in Navy ROTC, and she was supposed to be going to PT, physical training, one day after school, but instead skipped PT and we planned on going to my house to fool around. At the time, I still had my V-card so I was eager to see if I would finally get lucky. Now, a few blocks away from our high school and on the way to my house, there is an old cemetery. For some reason, she wanted me to go into the cemetery with her and being the naive 15-year-old that I was, I stupidly agreed. She makes a beeline to an awfully specific grave as she already knew where she wanted to visit. The grave did not have a headstone, just a nameplate on the ground and it was incredibly old dating back to 1926, I believe, if I still remember. 
I actually remember the name and hope that by typing her name, nothing creepy happens. The name on the gravestone was Ada May Van Pelt. Anyway, she stops at this grave and asks me for her backpack. From her backpack, she pulls out an old-looking book, a metal medieval-looking cup, and other old weird objects and places them on top of the grave. She sits on the ground and starts reading from this book. I'm not sure what language it was, but it sounded like Latin or some ancient language that I just honestly did not understand. Anyway, while she is reading in this cryptic language, I started noticing changes in the atmosphere. It got dark and windy as if a storm were coming in right over us, and I kid you not, a whole bunch of crows showed up out of nowhere and were hovering right around us. At this point, I'm scared, and all I could let out of my mouth was, What are you doing? To which she replied, I'm evoking her powers. This was an immensely powerful witch, and I'm evoking her power. So, between all this creepy stuff happening around us and her telling me she was basically stealing powers from the grave of a dead witch, I told her I did not feel comfortable and that I would wait for her in front of the cemetery. I run as fast as I can to the cemetery gate and just stand there waiting for a few minutes, scared out of my mind. A few minutes later, she comes out of the cemetery and passes me her backpack and says, Okay, let's go to your house. I do not ask her any more questions about what just happened because frankly, I was too scared to think about it any longer. We start walking to my place, go inside my apartment, and walk straight to my bedroom. Now at the time, I lived in an apartment complex, and each building had three floors with stairs in the hallway, connecting to each floor. This is important to what happens later. Anyway, being the young lad that I was, I completely disregarded everything I had just witnessed at the cemetery and the only thing on my mind was getting to second base and possibly hitting a home run. I put her backpack down on the floor by the dresser, and we started kissing on the bed. We were kissing and feeling each other up for about a minute or so, when suddenly, out of nowhere, a huge black shadow shows up on my wall, about eight feet tall, and it was probably about the same length wide, but it had the form of a human or an animal. We both looked at each other, and she asked, can you hear it? He's trying to speak to you. But at the time, I could not hear anything. I could only see it. So I tell her that I cannot hear anything. She suddenly places her hands in my ears, one hand on each ear, and says, Now you can hear. Suddenly, I can hear what this thing was saying. But like, not through my ears, if that makes any sense. It was more telepathic, if anything. Everything that it said was going straight into my mind and I understood every word. I do not remember everything word for word, but basically, what this dark being was telling us was that we were young and did not know what love was or what we were getting ourselves into. He continued to tell us that he used to live in the same apartment, and one day he came home early from work and caught his wife cheating on him with another man. He snapped and chased her with a knife, ended up stabbing her multiple times, but she survived, and he later died in jail for that crime. At this point, my heart is beating a thousand beats per minute, and I am very scared, but thank God my mom comes knocking on the door to check up on us, and the dark shadow disappears. All I could think of was getting out of that room, so we both go into the living room, and she confirms that she heard everything that I heard word for word. 
We are both pretty shaken up, so we just stay in my living room watching TV until it is time for her to go home. We get started walking home, and for some reason, I cannot find her backpack that I had left in my room earlier. We both look absolutely everywhere and cannot seem to find it. I ended up telling her that I will more than likely find it later and will just bring it to school in the morning. Anyway, we walk out of my apartment and right on the hallway stairs that go up to the third floor is her backpack. Open on the top stair with all its contents scattered all over the stairs. Books, metal cups, etc. Creeped out, I helped her pack everything up and walk her home. Wait, it does not end there. I forgot to mention that at the time my mother practiced Santeria. We are Cuban, and most Cubans bring that religion with them. But anyway, when I got home, my mom and her friends were in the kitchen, and I overheard them talking about my girlfriend, and it seemed they were trying to figure out the stuff that she was doing through Santeria. Suddenly, my ex calls my house phone, and when I pick up, I hear her crying frantically. Please tell her to stop. It hurts. It hurts. Tell her to stop, please. This was so creepy. It is like she could feel my mom and her friend using Santeria to review things about her, and it was physically hurting her. So we ended up breaking up after this incident, and the years go by. We both graduated from high school, and we went many years without seeing each other. It seems like what they say is true. When you practice witchcraft, it comes back to you because I recently ran into her, and she is all messed up. She has a disease where she is all swollen in the face and barely recognizable, and has many other health issues. I do feel bad for her. We had a long conversation, and I brought up the incident above, and she remembers every single detail, just like I do. From the name on the grave to her backpack on the stairs with all her stuff thrown on the stairs. I know some of you might not believe anything about this story, but trust me. Everything I just revealed is completely accurate and really did happen. I have some other stories of paranormal incidents that have happened to me, and hopefully I will get to share them with you guys and gals soon enough. Thanks for listening to these creepy and allegedly true New Jersey horror stories sent in by viewers just like you. As always, if you enjoyed these stories, please be sure to hit that like button, as the more likes this episode gets, the more YouTube promotes it, and that's very helpful to me. If you're listening to this on iTunes or another podcast platform, please give this episode a 5-star rating, as that genuinely helps me over there very much. If you're new to the swamp, why not join us? Hit that subscribe button, and turn on notifications to never miss a new video, as I upload them almost every single day and all things natural and supernatural. If you have a story that you would like to share from a state that you live in, please be sure to submit it at swampdweller.net or the email you can find in the description down below. I'd love to share your story with everyone here in the swamp. It's stories like yours that truly keep this show going on a daily basis. If you guys are on the go and don't have YouTube Premium, but still want to download and listen to your favorite scary stories wherever you go, you can download them absolutely free from iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher Radio, and anywhere else you find your favorite podcast online. If you would like to support The Swamp outside of hitting that like button, subscribing, and giving us a 5-star rating on iTunes, maybe check out the merch store. I've got t-shirts, hoodies, and more. I'd love to see you guys wearing some cool Swamp threads. 
Be sure to join me on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, and any other social media. And I'll see you guys soon with another creepy video.